Blog Talk Radio. I'm getting down to the sum of this. The sum of that. The sum of everything. Come Welcome to Come Get Some. I'm your host, Chris C., Miami Six Man. Of course, that's at Miami Six Man on Twitter, at CGS here for the show on Twitter. Of course, you can email CGS here at gmail.com. Uh, today's a, uh, a different kind of episode. I have on the show today um, an ex guest, a former guest, a friend of mine from DeadX Radio, Jeff Hillier, uh, talking about depression and his experience with it. Um, it's very important. And uh, he, he's not a medical expert, neither am I, and uh, we're just ex- talking about his experience, how he overcame it, and how you can too, and he really wants to help people out with it. And I think this is a perfect opportunity for you if you're suffering from depression or if you know someone who is to, to listen to this episode, listen to this conversation, and share it with others. And uh, hopefully it helps you. And uh, go ahead and uh, listen now. Here's Jeff Hillier. All right, so uh, Jeff Hillier has been on this show before from the bad boys of the paranormal, sci-fi, and horror over at Dead Action Radio. Today he comes back for his solo spot in a return uh, for a very serious conversation for a very important reason. Uh, please welcome back to the show Jeff Hillier. Hey, Jeff. Why, thank you, Chris. How's it going? Yeah, I mean, last time it was me and Chance, and we were kind of tag-teaming back and forth. And So, yeah, this time I'm flying without a net and without a chance. Without a chance. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Well, you got to climb that hill here. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to have a very serious discussion today uh, that I think is, it was very important to you, and I decided because I think it's important in general uh, for society in, in general, I would bring you on and we'd talk about it. So since we're going to be so serious today, Jeff, I feel like we have to come back another time for another interview where we talk about something a little bit lighter, like you know, politics. <laughs> yeah, politics and religion will be our next plated one. Let's, let's go for it, man. Perfect. <laughs> All right. So, so with a lot of people who watch DeadX Radio and uh, and laugh along with the show every weekend, uh, with the Saturdays four to seven, maybe changing to four to six or something soon, um, they they don't know that you you've gone through some very serious personal stuff in your life. Um, you you've dealt with depression essentially. Uh, well. So you put out an article you wrote about about that. You came out in the holidays. You made sure you hit the holidays because the holidays really get hit hard uh, with the depression. Um, h- how do you how do you get to the point that you realize that you've fallen into this funk, into this depression? Maybe if you have a, a little bit of your own story, you can tell about how you got there. Uh, whatever you're willing to talk about. Well, let me just kind of start uh, by touching on, you know, the comedy aspect of, of Dead X and, and the stuff that we do. I mean, we're, I, I know that, like, it comes out in the media, like, you know, most comedians suffer with depression, and that's, it's, it's kind of the cliche. That's why they like to make people laugh, is because they're suffering with their own demons. I just, I want to kind of talk about that real quick. That might be true on some levels, but, uh, you know, the clear thing that I want to get out there is, is I'm not suffering with demons anymore, and... Uh, I guess that's kind of the message of why I like sharing my personal story and my struggle that I went through is to kind of put out there that, hey, there's a way out. There's a real way to deal with depression 
that gets you out of it 100%. And if you follow the, 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 the whole platform of, of what I discovered, I, I can't say this is, this is my uh, platform. I, I didn't create this method. These, these are uh, the article, what I put in the article, and, and things that, that I profess out there in public are things that I found to, that actually worked for myself. Uh, as low as I got. So uh, I'm not taking claim to saying that, hey, these are, you know, th- this is the Jeff Hillier method. No, this isn't the Jeff Hillier method. This is Jeff Hillier putting all the shit in one article. Oh, can I say shit? Sorry. You can. Putting, putting all the stuff in one article that I had to search all over the Internet to find and read all sorts of books and all sorts of things to try to find the piece together. And I just wanted to, that was, I've always wanted to put it all in one place where everyone could kind of go and just reference it from beginning to end. So if you can follow it, you not only can get out of depression, but it'll keep you from ever really getting back in. And uh, the, the leading, I'm sure you have questions for later. I don't, you know, I don't, uh, sure. as far as like what happened to me to put me in depression, but in kind of answer to your question now, I was so far down and, Discovering that I, I, I was in depression really was when I decided that I just wanted to kill myself. And, and because the thought of death was more pleasant than spending another day dealing with that feeling. And it was the worst, most debilitating feeling in the world because I literally couldn't control it. I tried. I tried so hard. And, and that was the, the, the worst part of it was going to my family. And my family didn't know how to handle me and uh, my mom would uh, just get so frustrated and she would just say well just stop thinking about that just stop thinking about it and, and I was like well if I could stop thinking about it I would but I can't and, and it was complete loss of control over my own brain essentially and trying to kill myself and getting Baker acted mm. and being stuck in the mental ward for three days and honestly when I first went in when I first got Baker acted I hoped to God that they would help me I was like finally I could I could sit in front of a psychiatrist someone that could give me direction because I had no clue what to do and unfortunately the only thing that they did when they put me in front of the psychiatrist they weren't trying to help me they were evaluating me to see how long they were going to keep me. And when I first saw that, it was like, okay, they're not going to do anything for me. I pretty much have to lie to get myself out of here because I'm going to get no actual help. They're just going to keep putting me on these meds or whatever. And um, well, the worst thing was because I, I had gotten into, like, drinking the biggest bottle of rum that I could find uh, every day for a month, and luckily, being an entrepreneur in my business, and I own my own businesses and everything, I was literally drunk every day for, gosh, two or three months. Wow. And, yeah, I would wake up, and I would down the biggest bottle of rum. It took me about a day and a half to down it, but I mean, I, I would numb myself every single day for, you know, like I said, a couple months, uh, possibly three. I don't even remember at this point. And it just, uh, and, and nothing worked. And, so, and, and then finally when I got to that point, when I was Baker acted, I was sitting in there 
and uh, I was forced to sober up. Yeah. And and the, I just I remember laying on the most uncomfortable, hot. I don't even know what you would call it, in a brick room, and it was just finally just everything started hitting me. I mean, I was like, well, if I didn't really want to kill myself before, I do now, because this is just miserable. And and I was in there with legitimately crazy people. Uh, and I, I I remember when I first got in there, I was I was wondering, I was like, why you know why why are the couches in here solid plastic? And then like after the second day, when uh, one of the people there just sat there and she just like literally crapped all over herself and you know not that she couldn't have gone to the bathroom she just decided hey it'd be more fun to just sit here and crap myself mm-hmm. that's when I realized oh okay well that's why you know everything is the way it is in here and uh, so yeah I mean it was really eye opening and I remember going in my second psychiatrist meeting and I knew at that point I was like I've got to lie it's regardless of how I actually feel I have to lie to get out of here because this place is not helping me all they're trying to do is is figure out how they're going to, you know, keep their lights on by, you know, keeping people in here or whatever. So I went into the second interview, or the second psychiatrist meeting, and I, I lied. I just said, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I just got drunk and was depressed because of my girlfriend cheating on me. And, oh, yeah, it was fine. I'm, I'm good now, though. And, and I mean, I play, I mean, because I'm an actor. So <laughs> I literally just tapped in all of my acting skills and I acted like, you know, a normal person. I was like, you know, buddy, buddy with him. I was like, oh yeah, created rapport. And he even looked, he's like, yeah, you don't need to be in here. Yeah, yeah, let's get you out. So I was able to get uh, let out the third day, which was great. I was like, oh, finally. And then when I got out, uh, I was kind of forced to figure things out. And uh, so I didn't even know where to start. Uh, I, I still was, was hurting and didn't know how to control it. And so, uh, yeah, it just it just went on a spree. I was like, uh, I, I've got to take control back of my own brain. How can I do that? And so I just started researching as much as I could. And the thing, I found a lot of stuff out there. Some of it was like, eh. But then the stuff that actually made sense to me and worked, I, I just, I, I really grabbed a hold of. And I was like, okay, this is what I've got to do. And then... You know, hence everything that's in that article you referred to is, is are, are the pieces that I put together that really 100% did work for me. And uh, how, how long ago was that? A few years ago? This was two and a half years ago. Okay. Do you still have to refer to those methods? Do you do you sometimes fall back and go, like, oh man, it's happening again, and you have to read that article for yourself and, and remind oh, yourself to take these steps? Yeah, of course. It's, it's it's an ongoing process because there's, okay, people that are in depression, you, you need to understand the difference between people that are suffering from depression versus people that are just depressed. Mm-hmm. And essentially, it really works for both sides, you know, whether it's the extreme of being in full depression or if it's just, you know, being depressed. I mean, we all get depressed. And so there's things that have come up, uh, you know, throughout the last couple, two and a half years that have made me feel that depressed state again. But that, that's why I like to say that it's a way to get out of depression and stay out because it's an ongoing process. Anytime you start to feel those feelings, if you refer back to that and you start reapplying those principles to what you're going through, 
then it, it pulls you out before you fall back in. And that's the key. Okay, so, so even when you were feeling uh, at your worst, if there was anything positive to see, I mean, you just couldn't see it, right? You're convincing yourself there's nothing to see at, at that point. Well, that's just it. You, you, you have no control over your brain. It's debilitating. Though only one thing that matters is out of your control, and you're banging your head against the wall trying to figure out how to, to, to get control over the thing that you have no control over. And that's the hardest part is, is I, I, I don't want to say come to terms with the fact that you can't control what you can't control. That's cliche. I'm talking about putting action items towards the things that you can control. Right. Because you can't, you can't ignore something that you can't control unless you're able to focus on something that you can control. And I think that's because no matter how much you try to, it's, it's basic psychology. Um, the brain, the subconscious mind, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but the subconscious mind does not hear uh, negative commands. All it hears is a command. Like right now, if I tell you, do not think about a black cat, <laughs> the subconscious is going to automatically start thinking about a black cat. Yep. It doesn't, it doesn't hear the do not part. It hears the command. Think about a black cat. So when you're focused on the problem, even if you're saying stop thinking about that, the old, your, your subconscious isn't hearing the stop part. All it's hearing is to think about that because the focus of your subconscious is going towards that. So the process really is tricking your brain into thinking about something else without forcing those negative arguments that aren't going to be received, if you understand what I'm saying. I do. Yeah. I do. <laughs> um, so, so how do you get to that point? Because you, you just mentioned something I was thinking a lot about just in preparation for the interview was you know, the difference between clinical, clinical depression and being depressed and I know I said on the show when I first started out that I had to overcome anxieties, and I had friends come to me and say, Chris, you haven't had anxieties. You don't know anxiety. So, I mean, I guess it's a little bit of a, it could be an insult to suggest that you suffer from depression if you never had these kind of thoughts, and you haven't been that low in that position that you were in. Um, it, it can be, but... Again, my focus is towards overcoming it. So, right. you know, the people that will sit there and go, well, you don't know what depression is like. I mean, I would, I would never do that to someone, first of all. Me, me being me, uh, I can't speak for everyone that suffered with depression, but me being me, um, I wouldn't demean anyone else's level of depression. We all have our own level of what we deal with. Now, granted, I, I'm, without, you know, pointing out any specific names or circumstances, trust me, there's a lot of stupid things out there that I see that people get depressed over. Yeah. That I look, that I, I, seriously, I look at that, and in my mind, I think, are you seriously depressed <laughs> over that? You're going to let this consume your life? I mean, hell, open a Facebook account and add a couple people, and you'll see post after post after post of how much people's lives suck just over, you know, stupid things. I mean, we have, like, people with real solid reasons to be depressed and, yeah. and horrible in their lives, like they, they got their arms and legs chopped off and they're a, a nub walking around, and yet they're happy as can be, but yet you have someone over here 
that got the wrong color iPhone, so their life is over. And it's like... Yeah, so I agree. You can't... I mean, so as far as that's concerned, that, that, that's relative. I mean, that, that is a relative state of, of thought. And, you know, even when it comes to the things that make people depressed that I don't necessarily think are that big of a deal... It doesn't mean that they don't. And, and so when you're getting into that, I mean, uh, but a lot of that, too, is giving them clarity on some of that. The same principles apply, and that's what I said before, and I'll say it again. The same principles apply whether you're just depressed or whether you're dealing with depression. And that's why I like the method so much because it, it can pull you out of any level of depression. Right. So you basically, uh, you basically these levels uh, you talk about is uh, is pick three things you want to accomplish, three goals, basically. You're giving yourself a purpose from the get go. All right. So uh, Jeff Hills. Well, what it is is it's actually I don't know I, I don't I don't remember the exact terminology for it because this is not my principle. I didn't come up with these methods. I merely put them together in one place. But the principle of state of mind. There's essentially two states of mind. There's a current state of mind that is focusing on the problem, and then there's the desired state of mind, which is where you want to be. So the difference is, and, and kind of going back to what I was talking about with uh, the, the focus and the subconscious, if all you do is ask someone, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, what are you having them focus on? What's wrong? Yep. The problem. You haven't focused on the problem. But if you switch it around and you say, well, what do you want? And But you have to understand that what you want has to be something that you can control. Because a lot of times, the first answer, when you ask anyone that's in the middle of depression, what do you want? Like in my instance, if, <laughs> if, if someone were to ask me, well, what do you want? My answer was, I want my girlfriend to not have cheated on me, and I want her to be faithful, and I want her to feel the way I about me that I felt about her. Oh, yeah. That, that would be my answer. But the problem with that answer is that it puts the power in, in someone else's hands. And you cannot put something in someone else's hands and expect them to, to do what you want them to do. You can't control other people, period. And so when you ask someone what they want, it has to be based on something that they have control over. So that's where in my situation, I had to seriously sit down and think about it. And a lot of times if you don't know, because I didn't know what I wanted at the time, uh, a, a big part of it was I had to ask myself, what do other people see me as? What did I used to want? What did this other person who I used to be, what did he want? And it took me a while to really figure out what I wanted. So, you know, getting healthier, making my businesses successful. Uh, at the time, it was uh, going on a show called The Voice or aud- auditioning for a show called The Voice. So, uh, you know, and then, uh, and, and I achieved all of those because those became my focus. Because after you establish what you want, then every single day you wake up, and I'm talking, I had pieces of paper taped all over my walls. I was constantly reminding myself. People would come to my house and be like, dude, what, what do you got all this shit all over your walls for? And I was like, hey, you know, this is my process, and it works. And I still have one uh, thing taped to my walls that pushed towards your edges, health, relationships, and wealth and greater purpose. So that, that was the, the latter part of the article that I got into. But to get to that point, 
uh, if all of that still encompasses the same thing. But every day when you wake up, you have to ask yourself, what am I going to do today to work towards those goals? Now, keeping in mind that it's not overnight. It's, it's a process. So what am, what's the one thing I'm going to do today? And that's, that's why I got in such great shape back then, uh, probably, you know, two and a half years ago, was I would roll over and I'd look at that paper. What are you going to do today to get your body in shape and get healthy? Well, I'm going to get to the gym. Those days, I didn't want to go to the gym. I wanted to go pop open another bottle of rum and chug it. But I was like, nope, I'm getting healthy, so I'm going to get up and go to the gym. And I forced myself out of bed, and I forced myself into the gym every single day. And it became, that that became my focus. That became my push. And, you know, making my business successful, practicing singing, all those things that, that I wanted to work towards. I made myself do those little things every single day. And little by little, I got everything built up. And then uh, after I auditioned for The Voice, and uh, I, that they apparently have quotas or whatever, and they, they said that, you know, my style, they, they wanted me to come back next year or whatever. And I'm just like, I don't want to go through all this again. Um, so I, I'm not, I no longer, my, my goal for greater purpose was no longer to be on The Voice. I was like, ah, I don't want to do that anymore. Now I want to focus on something that I have control over. And because spinning my wheels with something where I have to have somebody else judge me and pull me on and all this stuff and everything, eh, I'm done with that. I'm done with it. I want to, I want to apply more of this. Principle. So it really was taking things to the next level when we put DeadX Radio together. And so, uh, to be honest, the reason DeadX Radio exists is because it's part of that process that I wrote about in that article. Wow, I mean, uh, it sounds like you're always you you have to always be creating a a new list, right? I mean, once you achieve these goals, I I time to create new goals. Always have these goals. Always have this purpose. Everything in life is about adaptation, and uh, just through the ages, if if we didn't, if we weren't able to adapt with our environment, then we wouldn't survive very long. So, you know, you look at where man was even just. 20 years ago, and where we are today, we're, it's, it's a lot different, and uh, we're always adapting, we're always changing the, the, the need. 20 years ago, if someone were to come to you and say, yeah, someone created a place on a website where people could uh, go post the food that they ate for dinner and, <laughs> and stupid memes about cats and everything like that, oh, and the person that created it is a billionaire? People would laugh at you. They'd be like, yeah, whatever, but you know what? The time allotted for that, so we had to adapt. And so being able to be forward-thinking and looking at your surroundings and being aware, I think that that's the biggest thing. Years ago, I, I, one of my big sayings or my big pushes was to be aware. I wanted people to be more aware of things. There was like people walk around as, as lemmings and, and with blinders on, and they're just not even aware uh, of anything going on around them. And it's like, the more you are aware of things going on, the better off you can be. I mean, be, be someone who, who studies everything, who even, you know, it, I'm, I'm not going to be a, uh, a molecular biologist or scientist by any means, but yet I'm very aware of that world. I'm very aware of uh, how that works. You know, I understand uh, certain levels of pretty much everything because, I've allowed myself to be aware of them and to look into them, even though I would never 
become an expert in any of that stuff, I at least know about it. And I think that that's what people need to do. One thing that I challenge you to do, next time you're walking around an amusement park, a mall, any place where there's a bunch of people, just take a moment, stop, and look at everyone's faces. Everyone is so miserable <laughs> everywhere they go in life. And it makes me so sad. I mean, it's like there's no joy inside of people, even at amusement parks. I mean, you're at the most fun place in the world where the, the whole idea, once you walk through those gates, is you're in a fantasy. And people walk around miserable. And it's like, my take on that is they're, just, they're, they're not aware of so much that, that they have, you know, around them. They're just, they're stuck in their own little bubble. And it's like, break out of your bubble, get out there and, and, and experience life and experience uh, everything that, that there is to, to have because the, there's life is too short to walk around in a bubble being miserable. That's for sure. Uh, something you mentioned just a few minutes ago, and it's in your article, and I think it's very helpful, is you mentioned how you had to go back before. So, I mean, while you're in the state of depression that you can't get out of, all you're thinking about is this, this girlfriend that cheated. And to get past that, you have to go before the girlfriend. You have to go before that point of whatever made you depressed and see what what it was that drove you before that because there was a purpose before that. Yeah. And that's it. And uh, a lot of times, see, I, I, I try to exercise my brain. I have my entire life because I, I, I'm, I'm really big on, on controlling your brain. Control, if you can control your own brain and you can add an element of intelligence to yourself, then I, I've, I've always been big on that. I, I don't claim to be the smartest person in the world and, you know, everything. I mean, I know we have the hashtag Jeff is always right, but that doesn't mean Jeff knows everything. And I think that's kind of the, the fun side of that is the reason that even came up is because I don't claim to know everything. I don't claim to, to speak up and say something as a fact unless I 100% know it is. Hence, Jeff is always right because Jeff's not always going to open his mouth and say something stupid unless he's 100% sure. So, you know, that is kind of what catapulted that around. And, and that's, that's but, and, and we put that out there, but really there's more to it than just, you know, a hashtag Jeff is always right. It's more of a point. It's a point to, to put out there to everybody, be intelligent, be aware, be, be, be smart about things. But if you're not, then don't open your mouth about it. You know, if you're going to say something, then make sure that you really know what you're talking about. Otherwise, ask questions. I've always said that the person who has more answers than they do questions is always going to be wrong. Because you you have to always ask more questions than you have the answers to. So in that instance, when I'm trying to figure out what what my passions were and what I wanted... I, I kind of had to stop myself in that moment and force myself to go think along those lines. Unfortunately, most people aren't going to be able to do that. And I'm not trying to say that I'm better than anybody else because I was able to do that. I'm trying to say that it wasn't easy. It's not easy. It was, it was the hardest thing in the world to, to stop my own brain and force myself to go back and look at what I wanted. So since, uh, since I've had a different mentality on how to control my brain, and most people don't really think about that as stupidly as I have my whole life. Um, 
it's something that you might have to go ask friends about. You know, you have someone in your life who's known you, and they knew you before the depression. They 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 know you now. Just walk up to them and be like, "Hey, what am I? What was I passionate about before this? What are what are some of the things that, that really mattered to me before this?" And then don't be afraid to ask them. Yeah, that's why you mentioned earlier also about how you know how you as a as a family member or a friend can talk to someone with depression is is it how to approach it like you said earlier, ask them what they want as opposed to ask them what's wrong. So so there is a dialogue that can be had for that. I, I think something I think something that when you're in that just based on everything you've been saying, when you're in that deep of depression, something that you miss that's always there and you don't notice it until you're able to have a clearer head about it is there's already people there for you. There's already people who actually don't want to see you kill yourself or or, or be in this state of mind. Yeah. And, and that's a difficult thing to come to terms with, too, because when you're in that frame of mind, you, you, you basically you feel useless. You feel like the planet would be better if you weren't on it. And that is not an easy thing to overcome. Yeah, I do want to address this real quick because it came up. Uh, a lot of people will look at what you said about the time in the Baker acting. Now, now, just just to just to be real about it, the whole Baker act and the whole putting you in a place for three days essentially did what it was meant to do. Like you're not look, you're not going to get the top psychiatrist. You're not going to get the top help. What you're going to get is that three days to, to cool off, basically. But okay. but I don't think it's like. I don't think it's useless. I think people are going to say, oh, my God, they're just trying to, uh, they're screwing with people, they're wasting people's time. But actually, you, you had a, you found value in the fact that you were Baker Active for three days. Is that not true? Um, in the sense that it forced me, it forced my hand. And it was either, see, the system needs to be reevaluated, and, and there needs to be other things thought through with it, in my opinion, because I'm giving my opinion here, I, I, I have to say, because here's, here's the thing, I'm going to go back again, not everyone has the strength of mind that I do, and for me to fall into the depression that I had, and to not, not be able to control my mind, whenever I got jarred, it basically jarred me awake and said, you have to get back to that place where you control your own brain, and unfortunately, we all know there's a lot of people out there that that don't have that strength of, of mind in that sense. And my fear is that if anyone did go through what I went through, I know I make the joke. If I didn't want to kill myself beforehand, I did once I got in there. Yeah, I say it as a joke because it's, it's making light for myself. But the sad truth of it is that someone has a little bit weaker of a mind that is how you feel. It really is. All you want to do is say and do anything to get out of there. Just And in my case, I wanted to say and do everything I could to get out of there so I could go make myself better. Someone else may say or do anything they want to do to get out of there because they want to go back and jump back in the bottle and, and actually yeah. succeed just themselves this time. So it's, I, I, as much as I'd like to say, okay, yeah, it was great, something needs to change with it because it could have had a damaging effect over being positive. 
Yeah, I mean, I've known somebody who tried to, you know, I've known people who tried to end her own life, and I've been in the, I, I've been in to visit the, uh, the Baker Acted area, and I do think there's, uh, first of all, there seems to be a large turnover, there's, there's a lot of people coming in there, um, and they don't, mm. sep- they don't separate by reason for being there, and, and that's the concern to me, I think they shouldn't mix uh, different types of conditions, it's kind of dangerous. And it it makes you it puts you in that state like I want to get out of here no matter what, and I think if you keep the people who are self destructive in one spot that aren't various levels of of clinically insane to to, to be to be honest, then uh, you can have that cultured atmosphere of we're trying to help you and, and it would be a little bit more focused. That's my opinion, but uh, based on what I've seen. Yeah, they definitely that would definitely help. I mean. I know when I was in there, this uh, other guy was brought in, and uh, he was brought in like late one afternoon, and he uh, apparently was in there for violence because he was like violently trying to to do something. Um, I didn't get all the details because I was just basically trying to stay out of it, and uh, but I know that uh, what he was brought in for, there was an element of violence in it. So I don't know if it was domestic abuse or what it was, but. But I woke up the next day, and I'd heard all, a bunch of skirmish the night before, because I, I tried to just stay in my room as much as I could. I heard a skirmish the night before, and I woke up the next day, and that guy was gone. So I was like, well, where'd he go? And they're like, well, he started a fight here, and mm. you know, punching people and thing. And I was just like, you know, you've got this, this woman over here who's basically just comatose, who doesn't want to talk, doesn't want to do anything, and she's, you know, just kind of staying in her own little bubble, and you're going to put her with this violent offender guy right. who you know, could have could have hauled off and punched her just because she wouldn't get out of the seat that he wanted to sit in, and she wasn't getting out of the seat because she's comatose. You know, I mean, it's just like, uh, yeah, they, they need to, to separate people, but, I mean, they don't have the staff for it. They don't have the funding for it. I mean, the whole system is flawed, and, uh, and that's why I'm so adamant about trying to get the message out there for people before they get to that point and and realize that if you have a friend who you know is suffering with depression then you know you can you can help them through this the process from an outside perspective too you could you're probably more better suited because grand like I like I, I said before and I've said it a million times my family didn't know how to deal with me my friends didn't know how to deal with me I know uh, uh, man at one point, uh, I was, like, blitz drunk, and my family was, like, trying to, you know, calm me down or whatever. I ended up, like, uh, going out, and uh, I, got, I got in my car, and I started driving off. And as I'm driving off, I, I get a message saying, we called the police on you. They're going to, you know, we told them where you are and all this stuff, and they're going to come uh, get you. I got, I got the text. And so I immediately just parked my truck, and I was like, I don't want to get pulled over because I knew I was sloshed drunk. Mm-hmm. And then I called, I, called, I called a friend of mine, and I had him come hang out with me. And, and I just, you know, luckily he was a good friend because he just, he let me, he, he didn't let me do the thing that I was trying to do, but yet he was just being there for me. And it, it, was, it was a tough, it was a tough time. I mean, I put, I put a lot of people through hell. I really did, and and it wasn't. I mean, I, I just I, I my mind wasn't there. I didn't know how to handle it, and they didn't know how to tell me to handle it. So 
this is the kind of thing that if you know someone like that, then educate yourself. Educate yourself on how to deal with someone in that condition because that's the only way that you're going to actually be able to help them. You know, I, I feel bad for what I did to my friends and family, but at the same time, it wasn't their fault. They didn't know how to, to, to cope or, or help me out of it. Well, that's an important point is um, we talked earlier, I know you don't want to diminish one level of depression over other. I, I think there is... Um, I think there is a large amount of people, and I don't want to put people into a box, but uh, a large amount of people who are depressed for the sake of attention. I'm so depressed, everything's so wrong, and it's about attention. How do you separate who really is is going through something and who probably isn't so much? How, how, do, you, how do you recognize that as a friend, as a family member, as somebody trying to help? Well, it's... It's like anything. If someone's crying, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty, and you bring them water and they choose not to drink, well, then, then at that point they're making their choice, and that's, you know, you can't force someone. Again, it's the same with dealing with your depression. You can't force someone to do something they don't want to do. If you bring this to someone and you try to help them and they refuse it, <clears throat> and uh, but it, again, it goes back to asking the right questions. Right. When you ask them, what do you want? And, you know, do you do you want to feel like this, or do you want to get over it? Someone who's really dealing with depression will look up at you in tears and say, "I just want to stop feeling like this." And you know, they the the people that really want out, they 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 just want to stop the feeling. If someone is if if, if someone's dopamine and serotonin receptors are are going off because they're getting attention from the depression then they're not going to look at you and say, I just want to stop feeling like this. And if you can get someone to admit they want to stop feeling like that, and you could look at them and say, hey, I can help you stop feeling like that right now, but you have to trust me. They're going to do it. They're, they're, going, to find, they're going to be like, hey, nothing else has worked. Please, what do I have to do to stop feeling like this? All right, so just, just to recap, uh, so we can help people out here anyone dealing with depression a good thing to do and these are things you put together based on other things you've seen that have helped other people and you put it all in one spot on jeffhillary.com right that's the place to go find this article yes, um, yes. essentially uh, uh, find your purpose if you have to go back before your depression most times people probably do have to go back before their depression find out what your passions were then Basically, reapply this in a list of three things, either current or back then. Give yourself that thing to work towards and work towards it. Um, and that's your positivity. That's your that's your willingness to move forward. That's where you start building on that again. And uh, and when you did this, is this when you started being able to talk to people again? Is that, did that kind of go hand in hand for you? It was. It really did uh, because uh, the like I said, the whole depression is debilitating and. It stops you from doing pretty much everything productive in your life. Wow! All right. Well, uh, I'm really glad that you came, that you're able to put this together, and and basically you you saved yourself, uh, essentially. Uh, you, you you helped yourself, and and hopefully, and I know that's your goal, and that's why you wanted to do this interview, and this is why you put the article out and the video out over the holidays. You want to help other people uh, recover from that condition as well, so they can be. 
more productive and more uh, more happy in their lives. Um, so I really do appreciate yeah, you talking about that. Is there anything else you want to say about this and, and want the people to know? Well, and, and the, the funny thing is, when I first put the article out, I got bombarded with messages. I had everything, people telling me, you know, oh my God, I, you know, such and such really needs to see this right now. I'm going to send it to them. And then I had other people that messaged me and said, oh, thank you so much. This is what I'm dealing with. I deal with this on a daily basis, and this really helps. And then they start telling me their list of items. I was getting people that were messaging me, telling me their list of what they're going to do. And I was like, I, I was trying to encourage them. I was like, that's, that's amazing. That's great. Uh, and then the, the one thing that I actually was just kind of floored by is I actually had a clinical psychologist message me. And she said, she was just blown away. She said that this article pretty much hit everything that she tries to help her clients and her patients with on a daily basis. And she said she was impressed that I was able to pull it all together. So the only reason I'm bringing that up is to just put out there that these aren't just things that I came up with. I'm not a clinical psychologist. I didn't go to school for any of this. I study psychology a lot because I'm interested in it, uh, human behavior and everything. But to know that an actual clinical psychologist uh, really has read the article and gives the thumbs up on it, that I appreciate more than anything because it, it really puts things in perspective. It is, uh, it, it's kind of like the, the stamp of approval on something that I've already done my testing on and I found that it works. Everyone that I've talked to about these processes, it has helped. It, is, it has worked and it's worked for them. But it takes the person actually trusting that it's going to work and having them apply it to their lives and create the habits that, that are going to make them successful. What, what do they say? Motivation will get you started, but habit is what's going to take you to the finish line. You create those good habits, those positive habits. Um, I would challenge I would challenge anyone listening who may be going through depression and looking for the answers in this interview and, and through this method that Jeff has, has uh, displayed on his website. Once you do this and start applying this and share it with others you know who are going through depression, you pay it forward. That also continues to build that worth, that self-worth, that you're doing something valuable because everyone on this planet has something to offer. And it's just a matter of what are you going to do with it? Are you going to offer something? Are you going to be are you going to be a valued part of society? You can be. You just have to apply yourself to doing it. Exactly. All so right. Cool. So that's uh, that's great. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate the fact that you're taking this subject on and you're taking it seriously, and uh, you know you're allowing your show, which usually is light and fun and everything, to to delve into these serious topics. So uh, thank you for taking it seriously uh, no problem man I'm just glad to be able to help and uh, if I you know I always said that this show is it started out as a, as a hobby something to try out see if I can do it and it came you know it became I want to make sure that if I'm doing anything at all somebody's getting something out of it at least you know and so so this is a value this is a value thing like I said I've known people who try to take their own life depression is not a joke and it needs to be taken seriously so of course I'm, I'm doing this show today um Good. thank you yeah. for coming on and thank you for for sharing because it can't be easy to share these things regardless of how much you've made peace with what's happened 
and, and where you've been and where you where you continue to 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 build towards. Uh, I just wish you the best, and, uh, and you know you know where you stand, and you know that uh, at this point, uh, the sky is the limit. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And one thing too to just throw out there for everyone listening: if you tune in to ZX Radio, you're not going to get this level of seriousness because uh, we we're 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 more joking all the time. That's why I appreciate the fact that uh, Chris is putting this out there for a full episode. We do get serious with certain things, but. For the most part, ours is, is a bunch of uh, off-color jokes and uh, trying our best to talk about paranormal horror and science fiction. So <laughs> try your best. <laughs> it's pretty much how it. All right. Uh, normally, for a returning guests, I would do something called five uh, five words for three word association, but I don't want to do that to you. It's a serious topic. We want to keep it on topic. And, uh, and again, I do appreciate you coming on, Jeff. Well, cool. Thanks, Chris. All right. And, well, you... uh, look forward to. To hanging out again soon. Yeah, man, I want to come to the studio. Yeah, well, make it happen. All right, man, I'll talk to you later. Take care, man. All right, by the way. All right, so um, in a time where I've had a lot of brave people talk to me on this show, uh, another brave performance there by uh, well, performance, a uh, uh, brave uh, guest spot uh, for Jeff Hillier there, where he uh, talked about his personal experience and how bad it can get. I have posted and uh, added to the actual description of the show um, a link to uh, Jeff's article, uh, of course, where you can follow him and see the X Radio, and also uh, just in case the, the suicide hotline. Um, they're 24 hours a day waiting to hear, um, waiting to hear from you if you need to uh, speak to somebody. So definitely uh, don't let that pass you by if you're in that situation. Hopefully, everything we talked about here was very helpful to you. I do appreciate. I do apologize uh, to an extent when I did this interview, I'd had two hours sleep, but I think it. Uh, I think it uh, got the message across, and I hope it did. Uh, feedback's always welcome. Please uh, give us some feedback uh, next week on this very show on the Thursday show. Uh, I'm looking to have uh, a return of the 30 minute uh, the 30 minute podcast in that format. Should be a megawatt cosplay cosplayer uh, that, that uh, you want to hear from. Probably she's a cool lady. Uh, check out megawatt cosplay on Facebook so you can see who I'm talking about. That'll be next week right here on Come Get Some. And tomorrow the continuation of my conversation with Nora Crest, why you can't be gay in Scientology. That will actually be airing tomorrow at 1 p.m. Uh, uh, the remainder of that show, including 10 questions. And uh, and you won't want to miss that. At the end of that interview uh, tomorrow, I'll be announcing next week's guest, which is another pretty pretty solid guest that you're going to want to hear from. So until then, until tomorrow, um, take care of yourselves, and uh, thank you uh, for listening. That about sums it up. See you tomorrow. I'm getting down to the sum of this. The sum of that. The sum of everything. Come.